from Madison, Wisconsin in the United States of Global Hegemony, it's Didactic Syncast, with your host Eric P. Y'all ready for this? So Hello, Earthlings, and welcome to the Didactic Syncast, your overview of everything important on the planet Earth. I am Eric S. Piotrowski, a writer and educator in Wisconsin, USA. I am known as Duke Scath in the world of video games and Twitter. I am known as Scartol in the world of Wikipedia and Reddit. Today is Sunday, the 2nd of June, 2018. On this show, I bring you a range of news stories, historical and literary perspectives, and my opinions on topics like current events, war, human rights, economics, education, hip-hop music, and killer robots. So buckle up and let's get started. A little bit better than dope is. A brand new kid to show biz. With knowledge, I persevere. But if I now do me a favor, favor. let me in here. And we can find a rhyme to fill in space and drop the bass with a taste of light. There's one week of school left. It's finals week. I'm going to be grading papers the whole week. It's always a crazy week. Um, you know, that mad race for Friday, 3 p.m. Grades have to be posted on Friday at 3 p.m. So there's no more putting it off, everybody. We just got to get it done. Now, fortunately, because I have writing classes, um, my final exams are just the kids come in, I give them the assignment, they start writing, and they keep writing for 90 minutes. So I get a lot of chance to grade papers during the week. But... It's a very intense week, and there's a lot of stuff we got to do before the end of the year comes. Um, yeah, it's a crazy time. I decided I wanted to do a syncast after a long hiatus because it's been a while, and I just like putting stuff out there. The world's really messed up, and I always like to send some signals of uh, hopeful insight. Both, I hope that my insight is insightful, and my insight is based on the idea that there is hope for us. And... Yeah, despite the fact that everything's all messed up. First of all, uh, Donald Trump is president of the United States somehow. That phrase coming out of my mouth always feels idiotic. He was supposed to have this summit with North Korea in order to talk about denuclearization. And then his idiot national security advisor, John Bolton, who is one of the last people in the world who believes that the U.S. invasion of Iraq in 2003 was a good thing. He refuses to apologize for that. He started talking about how North Korea could be subject to a Libya-style denuclearization process. Now, why did that set North Korea off? Well, because after we got Libya to get rid of their nuclear weapons program, we deposed Muammar Gaddafi, and he ended up getting slaughtered in the street and, you know, look, I don't have any love for Muammar Gaddafi. He was a terrible person. But that's not a good way of negotiating. First of all, John Bolton, shut up. Everybody in this administration has this attitude that it doesn't matter what you say. Well, it obviously does matter what you say. Because even if the talks eventually happen, and now Trump's like, oh, the talks are going to happen. Kim Jong-un sent me a very nice letter. Eight minutes later, it's clear that he hadn't read it. Um... Even if the talks eventually happen, look at all the headache and chaos that people had to scramble to deal with after John Bolton couldn't shut his mouth. It's like in Glengarry Glen Ross. You don't speak unless you know what the con is. Ugh. So, I mean, that's the, the positive element of all of this. Is Not in the case of North Korea, but in the, in the case of the Trump administration, you know, he might somehow get somewhat brought down by his inability to shut up 
about, you know, how he wants the Russians to hack Hillary's emails and all that. If he were a smarter despot, he would do a better job. <sighs> anyway, um, in the United States, the midterm elections are kind of approaching eventually. And um, those are going to be interesting because it gives the Democrats a chance to win back the House of Representatives. We might make some changes in the Senate, not enough probably to win it. I mean, I would love to see the Democrats win the Senate, but that would act as something of a curb on Trump's id in the executive branch. The, the problem, of course, is that Donald Trump is making a number of really serious changes to the way that our country works. So, for instance, Scott Pruitt is the head of the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, and he's made all sorts of changes, repealing rules that are just like keeping the air clean and keeping the water clean. Like these things are very basic. They were enacted by uh, Richard Nixon and, you know, expanded under Ronald Reagan. These are not controversial things, but the Trump lunatic Tea Party fringe right wing nutcase collective believes that anything that gets in the way of Wall Street and, you know, people, companies in general making money, it's a bad thing. Trump famously said he was going to get rid of two regulations for every one new regulation people wanted to put in, which is just insane. There are regulations that could stand to be trimmed. I'm not going to dispute that. But to go about it with such an idiotic mathematical perspective is just, what the what? What are you thinking? And people, this is the thing. Look, I know why they're doing it in the Trump administration. I want to know why people go along with it. And I know that, oh, people feel like they're forgotten, except that we've seen research, and I'll see if I can find out where it is. But, you know, we've found this research that says that your economic situation was not a big indicator of whether you are a Trump supporter. A better indicator is how white you are and how little interaction you have with minorities. I'm off on a rant here, but I just wanted to say, yes! I found the keyboard. I had bought this stupid little keyboard once upon a time to use for making music, and I could have sworn I lost it. I spent an hour a couple weeks ago all over my house, up, down, tearing all over, trying to find that keyboard. And as I was ranting about Donald Trump just now, I just saw it on this shelf over my comic books. I can't believe I didn't see it before when I was doing that house up and down search. Ah! Anyway, more than you needed to know. I thought about not even mentioning it, but it was such an exciting moment. I wanted to share it with the world. You're welcome, dear listener. So, again, look, here's the point I really want to make. Because, you know, part of me is like, this is the you know voice of the resistance. Don't give up, people. We're going to keep fighting. Because but that's true. I mean, that is kind of how I see myself. I had a professor in college uh, who... I, I make up little pamphlets about, you know, fight the power, do this, make a phone call to Congress. And this professor said he had fought in the Argentinian Revolution in the 1970s, and he told me that I reminded him of a propagandist he knew who had a printing press in his car, and if, he, if they found him with it, it was a death sentence, um, who would go around making flyers to distribute around the country, letting people know the resistance is still alive. And that was one of the greatest compliments I've ever received in my life, because that is part of how I see my mission on the planet Earth, is to let people know that you know, no matter how messed up things are, there's still a value to fighting against injustice and oppression. And sometimes those movements for freedom and justice are successful. So that's one of the reasons I love talking about East Timors, because they were successful. And other uh, movements and 
battles for justice and freedom have been successful. And I don't think we can shy away from the need to keep pushing for more freedom and justice around the world. Um, I also had a very nice moment from a student uh, who sent me an email. He was in my class last year and out of nowhere, he just sent me this email last week when I needed it the most. Uh, saying that he really appreciated my class and I had really helped him develop his creativity. And it was just, you know, exactly what I needed to hear. And, and it was such a nice gesture. And I really appreciated that. So shout out to Damien. What, what? Anyway, um, what am I going to talk about today? I'm just going to talk about some stuff. I've got my Twitter feed pulled up because I'm always tweeting articles out. So I'll talk about some of those. I've got some old stuff here in my show notes. I, I don't know if I'll talk about those or not, but um, they are obviously important. So uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll touch on various things, and I just want to sort of, again, sort of send some of my brain out there because I know that there's people who listen to this who don't agree with me, and hopefully I can make some points that you haven't considered yet before or tell you why you're wrong, and I also know there's other people who um, value what I have to say in various perspectives. Uh, Chinny talked about doing a syncast at one point, me and him, and I think that would be really cool. Rich Webster's talking about maybe I should have him on again, and maybe, I don't know, I got a lot of people I want to interview Rich, so nothing personal, but it's going to be a little while before I bring you back. And um, Antonio was talking about me going on his podcast, so I, I would like to do that. It's going to have to wait till after school's over, but... Uh, in the meantime, uh, it's very easy for me to just sort of throw this out there and hope that my brain splattering uh, can be useful for some other people. So with that said, let's talk about a few current events. There's no good on Salvador. Have you heard of Um, yeah, so I've been talking about current events. There's all sorts of current events going on in the world. It's it's just a nuts time to be alive. What's the most recent thing? I guess Roseanne just had her show canceled because she tweeted some racist nonsense. Not for the first time, by the way. She's been involved with some racist nonsense. She said a lot of horrible things in the past. I don't know full details. I'm not trying to psychoanalyze Roseanne Barr, but... ABC should have known that she was pretty unhinged. Bill Maher had a really good piece where he talked about Roseanne's been a friend of mine for a long time, and she's always been about challenging people and saying things that make you uncomfortable. But she bought into this Trump nonsense about him, you know, fighting for those who aren't heard, and she needs to recognize that it's a con game. And he he likened it to a... Um, late night ad on TV about, you know, you you fell for the infomercial and then you got this piece of crap in the mail and you need to return it. And I think that was a great way to put it to her, but obviously it didn't have any effect because she went on and, uh, it's so depressing, but anyway. Um, yeah, so, uh, and then Samantha B. I haven't even watched this segment yet. I really like Samantha B. She has a really good show on uh, TBS, maybe, called Full Frontal with Samantha B. She was a Daily Show contributor for many years, and like Michelle Wolf, um, now has her own show. And Michelle's Wolf's show on Netflix is awesome. They had a great send-up of the Alexa, where it was like, the Alexa 4 now comes with a special panel and the panel opens on the Alexa and it goes insert lunch meat please and it's like in a minute lunch meat now please and it was the whole thing was like you better supply it with some lunch meat or it's going to get angrier and angrier <laughs> I just thought that was great 
So anyway, um, yeah, that's so. But I haven't heard Samantha Bee's in trouble. Apparently, she called uh, Ivanka some horrible names and it, a specific the c word, which obviously is totally uncool for because it's usually a gendered term, right? Thirty Rock had a whole episode about how when a man calls a woman that, there's no way for the woman to respond if anything that's even close to the uh, pain that the c word causes. And at one point, uh, Frank says, why don't we try to make a word that has that power? You've, like, fung dart. And then later on, it's like, calm down, Liz. She's like, don't tell me to calm down, you fung dart. She's like, no, it doesn't, it doesn't come close. He's like, yeah, that's not very good. So then the question becomes, okay, so it's not cool for men to call women that. What about when a woman calls a woman that? And here's the thing. You know, I would need to see it in context. I, I, I generally think it's not a good idea to... I don't know. I don't like when people just call each other names. But here's the thing. Samantha, someone said this on Bill Maher. It's not just being rude. Like Roseanne's comment, she compared someone from the Obama administration to Planet of the Apes. And that brings back this history of white supremacist insult about black people and monkeys being the same. So that has a very specific, historical, hateful context. If Samantha B called Ivanka Trump a feckless C-word, that's just a, an example of her rage. And Samantha B calls men all sorts of things. And she goes after men and women equally. So I, it's not that, you know, Roseanne's comment was racist. Samantha B's comment toward Ivanka Trump was not sexist. It was not designed to degrade Ivanka Trump because she was a woman. In fact, quite the opposite. She was trying to, well, not she was trying to praise Ivanka Trump, but Samantha B was trying to demand that Ivanka Trump step up and speak out on behalf of the mothers who are being separated from their children by the Immigration and Customs Enforcement, ICE, in the United States. So that's an example of you know, again, look, the word's not great. It's got a lot of baggage to it, but I'm not going to, you know, Donald Trump demanded that Samantha B lose her show. And that's a very different matter when the president of the United States tries to shut down something on TV that he doesn't like. If a whole bunch of his fans get together and demand that, you know, Samantha B lose her show, that's one thing. But I don't think she should lose her show because I think it's a very different context and it's a very different um, you know, it's a word I don't care for, and I personally would never use it, but I'm a guy. Um, so whatever. It is what it is. I want to thank, um, this is kind of an economic story, but, you know, to be honest, we're kind of going all over the place here today. Um, so Richard Wolf has a really good uh, radio show called Economic Update, and he's the greatest, he's funniest hell. He's kind of Bernie Sanders-ish in that he talks kind of slowly, although he's a little more enunciative than Bernie Sanders is. And this is kind of how he talks. He goes, but his, my favorite thing about Richard Wolf is that he always explains everything to death. So <laughs> if he's talking about, and he's a Marxist, he's all about socialism. So whenever he talks about, you know, Burger King laying off workers, for instance, he'll go, my next update has to do with the fast food franchise Burger King. They run a series of restaurants that serves hamburgers, french fries, soda pops, and milkshakes. Burger King recently laid off workers. And it's like, who doesn't know about Burger King? Why are you telling us the, what we can find when we go into a Burger King? Like, okay, if you're talking about, you know, a steel processing plant, fine. You might need to break it down what they do. But anyway, so this came from Richard Wolf. Uh, 40% of Americans can't cover a $400 emergency expense. 
Now, my news article came from CNN because I just looked it up after he mentioned it. I don't know exactly which source he was looking at, but uh, this is from CNN. Four in ten Americans, according to a new report from the Federal Reserve Board, can't cover an unexpected $400 expense. Those who don't have cash on hand say they'd have to cover it by borrowing or selling something. Now, this is an improvement from half of adults being unable to cover such an expense in 2013. The number's been thicking down, ticking down each year since. So, first of all, we have to understand this, okay? This is the consequence of the 2008 economic crash, okay? 2013... People want to say, oh, there was the height of the Obama administration. Obama came in in 2008 right as the crash was becoming, hitting its low point. And Obama's administration was all about trying to pull the economy back together. They didn't do it as well as they could have. They didn't punish people who were responsible for 2008. I have a lot of criticisms of how Obama did it. But he did a lot of things to pull the U.S. economy back together. So the fact that the rate of people who couldn't cover such an unexpected expense was 50% in 2013 and now it's 40% in 2018, that's A, a sign that things have gotten a little better since then and because of Obama's policies and B, um, it's a disgrace either way. It's so, it's not, we should be at 0% by now, right? It's been 10 years since the economic crash happened and we still have 40% of Americans basically living paycheck to paycheck. That's a disgrace. This is the richest nation in the history of the world. And what did Trump and the Republican Party just do? They just passed a huge permanent tax cut for very rich people, and they gave a tiny temporary tax cut to middle-class families. No thank you. I would rather give back the tax cut that I got and have poor people not have to hustle and struggle and you know race around all day every day to their three jobs if it meant that we had a more stable society. God, just pisses me off, man. <sighs> Meanwhile, Elon Musk uh, is apparently trying to bust a union at Tesla. Um, Keith Ellison, the representative from Minnesota, I think, uh, he sent out a tweet that said, I hope Mr. Musk realizes that retaliation he may take against his workers for trying to form a union isn't just morally wrong, it's against the law. Now, the question is, who's going to enforce the law that he's breaking? Well, it ought to be the National Labor Relations Board. That's the government agency that deals with uh, people being treated unfairly for trying to organize a union. The NLRB has been a slumbering corpse for decades. This isn't new to Trump, but Trump is continuing the Republican Party platform of defunding everything in government that it doesn't like, and it hates the NLRB. And here's the difference, because Bernie Sanders was on Bill Maher recently, and he was talking about um, what needs to happen to change American the American economy, Be- because he was sort of addressing the same people that Trump was always talking to, right? You'd be the forgotten Americans, coal miners, you know, the people who've been left behind, deindustrialization, et cetera, et cetera. Bernie Sanders was talking about, I'm on my, I'm on my way, I, I, I want to come here at Bill Maher to talk to you and your audience, but I'm on my way to Disney World, uh, Disneyland, excuse me, and, and I'm going to go and stand with them, the, the, with the, one of the richest companies in America, uh, they're trying to bust a union, and the workers at Disney deserve the right to form a union and have a living wage. That was my Bernie Sanders impression, thank you, I'll be here all week. And the point is that whereas Donald Trump says, vote for me, I'll save you, I will make your life better, I'll improve the stock market, which will somehow magically benefit you, it never does. Um, 
Bernie Sanders says, don't vote for me because I'm going to magically fix things. Let me help you form a union, right? What we need is economic power. What we need is democracy in the workplace. And Scott Walker and Donald Trump and Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell and all these feckless Republicans in the United States and plenty of conservative politicians in other countries around the world, all they want to do is pretend like government policy is the only way anyone's ever going to get helped and never mind about the power you ought to have as a worker, right? So there's a lot I can say about why unions matter. And there's a lot of problems with unions. There's no doubt about it. But the fundamental unit of worker democratic power, the ability of the worker to say, I need a voice in the workplace, is the union. And without it, we're left to freelance and try to cobble together a living wage by working for Lyft and Uber and Airbnb, you know, for a spare room we've got or whatever. And, and that's not going to lead to a decent life. Um, and, and, and when we, you know, it's all about, well, if you work hard enough, you can make it work. Well, some people can, but a lot of people can't. And we deserve, as working people, a share of the incredible wealth that's being generated all the time by automation and the subsidies that our government gives out. I mean, look, first of all, Oh, God, you're so directionless. You need to have more of a direction in this show. Shut up. Have you worked on your search engine optimization? Shut up. Leave me alone. Why does everything have high fructose corn syrup in it? Everything in the world. And by the way, I want to give a shout out to the people at my school that put together an awesome culture week. Get back to the Keith Ellison story. Shut up. Search engine. Leave me alone. Uh, we had a culture week presentation at our school on Friday. Uh, Friday. Yeah, it was a whole week, really. Um, and they brought in some really cool, you know, African drummers and flamenco dancers. It was an awesome day of events. And then the marketing class also did a Culture Week presentation. And it was kind of weird because it was all about, like, here's how McDonald's sells things in India. Here's how McDonald's sells things in Brazil. And I wanted to try to find a way to ask about the danger of corporate monoculture and cultural imperialism, but I couldn't really figure out a way to ask about it. And they found some foods from around the world and gave them out to the audience. And, you know, they talked about the ways in which these cultures are different in terms of their sort of power dynamics and gender representations and stuff. So that was cool. But then they showed a lot of ads from Subway and Coke in Brazil and France. And it was just like, ah, this feels like a big ad for these companies. But anyway, everything around the world, all the foods we eat has a huge amount of high fructose corn syrup. And if it comes to the United States, that's how a lot of the flavor gets added. That's where a lot of the calories come from, a lot of the fat. Why? Because high, because corn is insanely subsidized by the U.S. government. The United States uh, Department of Agriculture gives out millions and millions of dollars of subsidies of corn. So if you're a farmer, it just makes sense to grow corn. That's why we grow so much corn in this country. Now, it's not corn that's good to eat. It's high industrial content corn, which is good for making high fructose corn syrup. If the government wanted to, it could change the kind of corn we grow, or it could subsidize broccoli instead. And we would, broccoli would be a lot cheaper. We wouldn't see so much high fructose corn syrup in all our food Americans will get healthier. But there's a lot of reasons why the USDA subsidizes corn. So that's just one example of how government policy, which is never going away, by the way, Trump's not trying to get rid of the subsidies for corn. That sort of policy affects all of us tremendously. 
And that's why taxes are, you know, you're not going to get government down to the size of, to put it in the words of, oh, I can't remember his name, this sniveling dork who wants to destroy, he said, I want to get government down to the size it can strangle it in a bathtub. Um, the point is we're never going to get to that point because there are certain parts of our government that can't be changed, can't be cut like that. We can keep cutting food stamps. That's that's the one people always talk about because I worked in a grocery store one time and I saw a guy buying steak with food stamps. He should be eating gruel out of a bucket. Like, who cares? There's a little tiny bit of food stamp fraud okay. But there's also a lot of people who rely on it for their food that they eat to survive. What's your pro? What is your God? Meanwhile, the Defense Department budget just increase, 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 despite the fact that we spend more than the next 10 countries put together or whatever. <sighs> get back to Elon Musk. Fine, I'm going to get back to Elon Musk. Are you happy, you annoying dork? Yeah, very much so. I have a feeling you're never happy. Yeah, I'm very happy right now. No, you're not. Um... So Elon Musk is trying to break up this union, apparently. Uh, he's making a lot of threats, uh, which is bogus. I mean, here's the thing. Look, Elon Musk is, in many ways, a cool guy, okay? Yeah, he's launching rockets. He sent his car into space with this dude, you know, this MTV fake astronaut behind the wheel, and, like, uh, he's making space cool again, and that's fine. But if he's also busting a union at his factory, that's not okay, and he's got so much money. Why does he need to bust up a union? Again, you know, we've got to stop getting fetishes for whichever cool rich person seems like they're going to be the best choice to save us. Ah. Anyway, moving on. Um, yeah. Uh, Mark Pocan is the representative from this part of Wisconsin. What? What? And he said on, uh, I guess it was yesterday, today is National Gun Violence Awareness Day, and Americans across the country are showing solidarity by wearing orange this weekend. Together we can stand up to the NRA, enact common sense gun violence prevention laws, and save lives. So I really like that. Mark Pocan's an awesome representative. We've met with him several times with our Amnesty International Club, and I should have met with him again this year, but we just couldn't get it together to try to get a schedule you know, meeting with him. Um, hopefully next year. Uh, I really like him. He's a cool guy. Ooh, this was cool. Uh, Greenpeace USA, uh, there was a Chase Manhattan, I guess it's just Chase now, uh, investor conference, and they were um, talking about how they're going to split up the world. And Greenpeace activists snuck in, and they made some special napkins. And it, they say, this napkin won't clean up an oil pipeline spill. Enjoy your drink. And it's got a picture of a pipeline leaking oil everywhere. And the Chase logo is turning into an oil spill. And it's just so cool. I really like that kind of action that tries to remind people, hey, this company's engaged in horribleness. Um, as Chase is. Definitely is. Oh, yeah. This is another thing. Trump pardoned. Dinesh D'Souza, or he's in the process of pardoning Dinesh D'Souza. Now, first of all, this is ridiculous because Kim Kardashian just met with Donald Trump. And Kim Kardashian is trying to get Donald Trump to um, pardon a woman who's um, been sent to prison for a nonviolent drug offense, a series of them. I mean, she was involved in a lot of drug dealing. Uh, and it's messed up. But for her to spend the rest of her life in prison for this nonviolent series of drug offenses, I think is wrong. So anyway, Kim Kardashian is cares very much about the case of this woman, this black woman. And she's um, trying to get Donald Trump to pardon this woman. The day after they met, 
Donald Trump comes out talking about, I want to ex- pardon Dinesh D'Souza. He's been treated very unfairly by our government. First of all, no, he hasn't. Second of all, Dinesh D'Souza is a terrible person. He said all sorts of bat crap, insane things. I can't even begin to tell you. Just do a search for all the crazy stuff Dinesh D'Souza has done in his life. It's bonkers. As for what he actually did, he could, he pled guilty to voter fraud. That's what Dinesh D'Souza did. That's what Donald Trump is going to pardon Dinesh D'Souza for. Okay, the Atlanta or the Washington Post had a really good piece about it. We should be clear on the crime he committed. This person wrote, "There are some campaign finance violations that are trivial or that might be explained away as oversights. This was not one of them. D'Souza knew very well he was breaking the law and took steps to conceal his actions. He devised and carried out a scheme to violate election laws. Specifically, once he and his wife had given the legal limit and contributions to a friend running for Senate, he wanted to give more money but was prohibited by law from doing so. He then instructed his assistant and his mistress, yes, his mistress, to also give the legal limit and reimburse them for their contributions, concealing the true source of the money. That was not an oversight. That is willful fraud. So, um, yeah, not cool, Trump, not cool, Dinesh D'Souza. Oh, and speaking of the 2008 economic crash, you weren't, you had moved on. Shut up. Search engine optimization. I'm going to strangle you. In a victory, this is from Democracy Now! In a victory for big banks, the Federal Reserve has voted to loosen the Volcker Rule. It's a key financial regulation enacted after the 2008 financial crisis. The rule bars banks from using customers' deposits to make the bank's own risky bets. It was one of the key aspects of the Dodd-Frank Wall Street Reform and Consumer Protection Act. And this comes as banks are taking in record profits, $56 billion during the first three months of this year. So it's not like the banks are hurting and we have to boost their ability to make profits. Uh, that's lovely radio, isn't it? Uh, Oh, Al Jazeera had a really cool interactive uh, website about Jerusalem and how divided it is between East and West. West Jerusalem is the really nice part of town that all the Jewish people live in. And East Jerusalem is a pretty crappy part of town that all the uh, Palestinians live in. And so there's just a really interesting side-by-side comparison about how many libraries each side has, what the roads are like the wall casting its shadow over so much of East Jerusalem. It's just a really interesting look at that city. So check that out. And then Vox had a really good chart. They had an article all about um, the Trump-Kim Kardashian meeting and why she was going to meet with him and what she hoped to achieve and why it's a big deal. And in that uh, article, they had this really cool chart that was uh, all about mass incarceration in the black community. It talked about past month illicit drug use. The 2013 National Survey on Drug Use and Health showed that white people use drugs at about a 9.5% rate and black folks use drugs at a 10.5% rate. The drug-related arrests per 100,000 residents of each race, uh, according to 2013 FBI Uniform Crime Reports and the U.S. Census Bureau, were whites, 332, blacks, 879. So it's more than almost three times as many arrests for drugs among black folks as for white folks. There it is. That's the evidence. Anyway, moving on. Um, 
Yeah. Oh, this was sweet. CBS News had a really cool video of these two women who had gone to the Memphis Zoo. Uh, it was where they had their first date. And one of them was all smiling because she was ready to propose. And so as soon as she knelt down to propose, her girlfriend started crying. And then she started bouncing up and down and then pulled out of her bag a ring that she was going to use to propose that same day. And I just thought that was so sweet and cute and adorable. And we can all use a little more of that because cute things are cute. Meanwhile, Tom the Dancing Bug, who, which is a really cool cartoon drawn by a guy named Reuben Bowling, um, he had a thing about uh, illegal immigrants hurting America. And the point that he was making was that these are all a bunch of companies that hire illegal immigrants. So they include Tyson Foods Incorporated. They also suffered criminal penalties for bribery, environmental crimes, workplace violation that led to a death. Um, Walmart stores use contractors who hire illegal immigrants and multiple environmental crimes. Exxon Mobil, uh, a fuel depot was shut down after illegal immigrants were found cleaning up hazardous chemicals. And there were decades-long environmental crime sprees committed by Exxon Mobil, uh, clean, clean Water and Clean Air Act violations. And then Donald Trump, of course, used, uh, used to hire um, illegal immigrants on building projects. Uh, he was fined for breaking casino operation rules, admitted to sexual assaults, foundation fine for self-dealing, FTC fine for antitrust violations, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And lest we forget, Donald Trump is violating the U.S. Constitution every day of his life because the emoluments clause of the U.S. Constitution says that presidents cannot accept gifts, emoluments, from foreign governments or foreign entities because that might change what the president does in terms of the what's best for America. But Donald Trump has not relinquished control of his business and therefore, he's still accepting those gifts, and he's not even being, you know, secret about it. And the lawsuits are taking forever to go through the courts, but he's violating that constitutional clause every day of his life. So for that reason alone, he is not qualified to be president. <sighs> anyway, oh, this was funny. Speaking of Roseanne, um, yeah, Amb Roseanne Barr said that she was on Ambien when she tweeted out her racist nonsense. Okay, well, the maker of Ambien is a company called Sanofi, and they responded with this statement. This is pretty funny. While all pharmaceutical treatments have side effects, racism is not a known side effect of any Sanofi medication. Now, I don't have any great love for this company, but I thought that was pretty funny, so I wanted to share that. Donald Trump also tried to blame the Democrats for policies that are breaking up parents from their children among undoc undocumented Americans. And it's unbelievable because this is what Donald Trump is doing. So for him to try to blame Democrats for it is unbelievable. He has no shame. And again, the question is, will people fall for it? Will people, will people trust Trump so much? This is the thing. Trust is really important. Everybody trusts certain people to tell them the truth about what's going on in the world. We all do it. I trust the Washington Post, I trust Democracy Now!, I trust The Intercept, but I don't trust those sources blindly. I'm going to check into things. Richard Wolff, who I quoted earlier, he had a story once about how all these companies had um, claimed that they weren't going to give any uh, raises to their workers after getting this big tax cut. I looked it up, and it looked to me like a bunch of companies said they were going to give 
raises to their workers. So, I mean, whatever. It was a small thing. I wrote into his organization and tried to get some clarification. Maybe I was reading the numbers wrong or something. I don't know. But the point is, I'm never just going to blindly trust what those news sources tell me. I'm going to try to look into it myself. But I only have so much time in the day. I'm a busy person, as you all are, of course. And so at a certain point, we, we have to recognize that trust is a thing and that we all trust certain people to help us understand the world. The, the problem with Donald Trump is not just that he's a liar. It's that people trust him so much that if you try to convince them that what he says is not true, you're just part of this, you know, conspiracy or you hate you know, Donald Trump personally, or you're just mad because Hillary lost. It's, it's getting harder and harder to have an actual conversation with people because that trust is so deep. And this is what a cult of personality breeds, is a sense of fanatical devotion to people that we trust. And we shouldn't trust anybody that much, right? Even Noam Chomsky has said and written things that I don't agree with. And we have to develop that independent intellectual perspective on things. And it's really hard to deal with people who don't have one of those. Especially because what you want to say is, don't listen to me. Don't take my word for it, right? Look into it for yourself. But the problem, of course, is that we live in a society where we've got instant messaging and fast food and the easy button and all these, you know, robots that we talk to in order to turn on the lights because flipping the switch is so hard. <laughs> that switch. That we are being trained more and more all the time to just be lazy. And so, of course, it's going to show up in our political lives. It's too much work to look into whether that person actually said that thing. I mean, thank God for Snopes. Because Snopes is doing a good job of trying to keep up with it all and help people understand the truth from the lies. But of course, Snopes is being accused of partisanship and, you know, PolitiFact is, oh, they gave all these pants on fire to this person because they lied a lot. And if Republicans tend to lie more than Democrats, guess what? PolitiFact is going to look like it's playing favorites in terms of politics. It's not because they don't like Republicans. It's because Republicans objectively tend to lie more. That's not to say that Obama doesn't lie, of course. And Obama's, you know, look, the big one that I always hear all the time is like, Obama said you could keep your doctor if you like your doctor. Okay, so some people had to stop seeing the doctor they were used to. And they went to a doctor that wasn't as good. That sucks. That should not have happened. I'm not in favor of that. But that's a far cry from what Trump lies about willfully every day. I mean, that's not even that big a deal. I had to switch doctors. Really? These families are being split apart by ICE. They, you know, uh, banning all Muslims, like demonizing Hispanic people, like God, Latinx, you know, whatever term you want to use. It's pathetic. It's it's disgraceful. It's insulting. And the fact that people keep falling for this, the fact that he doesn't have an approval rate of single digits is just stunning. It says a lot about Americans. I'm sorry. And that's really my beef is that, you know, Donald Trump is who he is. And I'm not going to spend all my time trying to change Donald Trump or fight against, you know, things I can't affect. But I'm an educator. My job in life is to try to raise the consciousness of the people around me. And I feel like it's getting harder and harder to do that because there's so much polarization. And if people don't trust me, and a lot of people don't, then they're not even willing to consider my point of view. I'll give you an example. Recently, the NFL made a rule that said 
that professional football players, American football, uh, if they're on the field, they have to stand for the national anthem. And if they want to protest, they have to stay in the locker room. That's a dumb rule. It's a violation of those athletes' First Amendment rights to freedom of speech. They're not even speaking. They're just standing in a certain way or kneeling or sitting. That should be their right. Okay? Look, I like songs. And if you think everyone should stand when a certain song is being played, great. You go ahead and stand. You can give people dirty looks when they don't stand. I think everybody ought to dance when Prodigy's Poison song comes on. You know, this song. So I don't understand how anybody could not dance when that song is on. But if you don't dance, because I think you ought to dance, that's okay. You can choose to not dance. Now, it's about the veterans. It's about the flag. You know what? Look. Then I So I made a, an analogy on Facebook and Twitter. It goes like this. I think it's a disgrace when people drink alcohol on Memorial Day. Memorial Day is supposed to be a time when we remember those who fell in battle defending our country. So I think it's a disgrace if people drink during Memorial Day. And I think the NFL shouldn't allow alcohol ads or booze in the venues when professional sports is going on. And a lot of people said, hey, I like that, yeah, good point. Because it's an analogy, right? If I did feel that, I don't feel that, I don't care if you drink on Memorial Day. But if I felt that way, wouldn't it be ridiculous for me to try to impose my view on whether we should drink on Memorial Day or not on other people? Because I think it's disrespectful of veterans. There's lots of ways for us to honor veterans, okay? And if you choose to drink alcohol on Memorial Day, that doesn't mean you don't care about veterans. That doesn't mean you disrespect our country. That's just something you choose to do, and that's fine. That's one of the freedoms that veterans have died trying to protect, but people, I had two people who were like, that's a stretch. First of all, of course it's a stretch. It's an analogy. That's the purpose of an analogy is to make a stretch, to try to point out an absurdity in an argument. And it was so frustrating to me because I felt like it was a pretty good analogy. I thought it was like, hey, this is making a good point in a clever way. But all I got from people who didn't already agree with me was, oh, it's a stretch. And it just frustrates me that so few people are willing to kind of try to see things in different ways and talk to me about things beyond just simple, you know, shutting down of the conversation. So whatever. Anyway, um, yeah, Robert Reich tweeted recently, there's a defining characteristic of the Trump presidency, the cruelty towards the most vulnerable, ripping babies from their mothers, cutting health care for the sick and gutting programs for the poor. Amen, Robert Reich. That's true. Um... Yeah, Khalif Browder would have been 25 years old on May 25th. If you have not watched the Netflix series called Time, the Khalif Browder story, you need to see it right away. It's one of the most important documentary films about prison ever made in the United States, and everybody needs to watch it. It was executive produced by Harvey Weinstein, unfortunately, but it was also executive produced by Jay-Z, and it's a really important document about how things are going down in America, in prisons, especially Rikers Island. And, um, yeah, watch it. 
Watch it right now. Okay, um, that's a lot of things for me to throw at you. I'm not doing show notes. Show notes have kind of begun to feel like a burden, and spending a lot of time coordinating them and collecting them and making sure they're all formatted right and all that, it just feels like an extra burden that is one of the reasons why this show doesn't happen more often. And I really like being able to give people direct links to things, but the truth is that it takes a lot of time, and especially during the school year, I do not have that time, and I'm not trying to invest it because during my downtime, I need to have downtime. However, if you subscribe to my Twitter feed, I am at Dukescath, D-U-K-E-S-K-A-T-H. Uh, you can follow, you know, I, I post a lot of news articles there. I post some stuff on Facebook, but I tend to post like twice or three times as many things on Twitter because it's hard to keep track of everything on Facebook, I know, and you don't like people who flood your feed. Um, I do like having show notes on my blog because it's nice to have links if I need to search for them, but Google is getting better and better about helping me find things that I need to refer to later on, so... It's not really that big a deal. Anyway, um, yeah, that's a lot of stuff that I've been talking about. And um, I think I'm going to stop talking now. But before we do, uh, I want to talk a little bit about hip hop. My students introduced me to a guy named Logic. He's a really good rapist. And um, that was a Parks and Rec reference, by the way. Uh, Tom Haverford, played by Aziz Ansari, once said, What do Drake, Jay-Z, and Nas all have in common? And Jerry goes, Oh, I know this. They're all rapists. Uh, it's like on 30 Rock when Liz Lemon was trying to convince Jenna Maroney to vote Republic- or vote Democrat. She goes, the the Democratic Party is the coolest party ever. The the president listens to hip hop rappings. So anyway, um, yeah, Logic is a rapist who uh has a lot of good stuff in his lyrics. He put out a concept album recently called Everybody, which is a very interesting look um at metaphysical questions of human nature and what the cosmos might contain. Uh, Michael Eric uh, uh Dar- Dyson, Michael Eric Dyson, no. Uh, is that, I can't think of his name. What's wrong with me? I can't think of his name. Neil deGrasse Tyson. Michael Eric Dyson is the guy who wrote the Tupac Shakur book and a lot of other good books. Um, anyway, Neil deGrasse Tyson. How, is that, is that racist that I mixed them up? They have three word names. Anyway, Neil deGrasse Tyson plays God on Logic's album, Everybody. And, uh, it's, it's about this concept of, when you live, you die, and then you go back to, you know, the source or whatever they call it, and you become somebody else, and you keep doing this until you become everybody, and it's just a very interesting way to look at different things. Um, it's an interesting concept album. It does that thing of putting the skits after certain songs, so if you put those songs into a mix, you're going to have to listen to the skits when you're listening to that mix, which is really annoying sometimes. Here's a heads up to everybody listening. If you do a concept album, make the skits separate tracks so we don't have to listen to them when they're on our mixed jams. Anyway, um, yeah, Logic put out a mixed tape, speaking of which, uh, recently called, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Young Sinatra, Bobby Tarantino 2. He's got like 10 names. Like every rapist these days, you got to have 10 names. So he goes by Logic, he goes by Bobby Tarantino, he goes by Young Sinatra, and whatever. Anyway, 
on this mixtape. It's not nearly as good as everybody, and I was kind of disappointed when I heard it the first time. But there's a track that I, for whatever reason, I just kept listening to, and now I can't stop listening to it. It's called Warm It Up, and it's the second best song ever created called Warm It Up. Check out this hook. track there's a couple things i could say about it um logic never flex bobby get it done he's just he's so versatile i love the fact he can the super quick four times rhyme but then also slow it way down in the next bar so he's really got skills um there's a line in there about pass the mary jane like i'm running a train with peter parker now that's a play on words because mary jane of course refers to tetrahydrocannabinol in the cannabis plant and whatever whatever but it's also a reference to the character in the Spider-Man comics. However, we should be clear that running a train is sometimes slang for having sex with several guys having sex with a woman, but it's also sometimes a slang term for gang rape. So I'm never comfortable when that phrase comes up in music. Um, so that's a line I'm going to criticize. Even if logic doesn't mean it in a negative way, it's still a problematic term. So I would say, you know what, we should stick, stay away from it. I'm not a fan of it, but whatever. It's a great song in general, and so I wanted to share that with you. You're welcome. Let me find a quote of the week. Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. Stop repenting because the ending is near. But don't panic, you can't function if you live in a fear. Pay attention, you got to listen to hear. You know what, I'm not going to go hunt for a quote. I'm just going to tell you a quote that I love. 
Chinua Achebe is a Nigerian-American novelist. He wrote Things Fall Apart, one of the most important books to ever come out of Africa. And he said this in his book, Ant Hills of the Savannah. Whatever you are is never enough. You must always take something from the other, no matter how small, to make yourself whole and to save yourself from the righteous sin, uh, the mortal sin of righteousness and extremism. And that's what we all need to do at all times, is try to find something in other people that will help us to get better. And... To that end, everybody out there who's struggling with things, whether it's trying to pay bills, trying to find ways to get out of bed in the morning, trying not to go nuts with all the chaos in your head or whatever it is, um, keep your head up. This too shall pass. Take yourself some time. Let's take 30 seconds right now, shall we? Just 30 seconds. Here, I'll ring a bell. I don't have a bell. There's a glass. Let's just take 30 seconds and just breathe in. Slowly. And then breathe out. Wherever you are, whatever you're hearing, let everything go and focus on what's going on inside you and what you're hearing. Focus on your breath. Just breathe in when you're ready and then breathe out when you're ready. Right now, I hear a bird outside a little bit of wind. It's kind of all I'm hearing right now. It's a very still day around me. I'm very lucky to have a still, safe, quiet place here. And I hope you can find a safe, quiet place to spend a little time putting the world on pause. When thoughts arise, let them go away like clouds in the sky, and they will. Just slow everything down. Give thanks for being alive and being able to breathe. And don't give up the fight, people. All right, that's it. Uh, ain't no show notes on my website, but you can go to my blog, uh, fbesp.org slash synapse. That's the didactic uh, synapse. And I wrote a piece about um, Kendrick Lamar winning a Pulitzer Prize. It's a, it's a very important moment in the history of hip-hop. And uh, so, yeah, you can go and read that. That's what I wrote recently. And I also wrote a thing about Primer. Uh, I can link to that if you want. Anyway, uh, yeah, thanks for listening, people. Please get in touch with questions or if you find a news article you think is important or uh, whatever, uh, let me know about it. And, uh, yeah, people write in some questions. I would love to answer questions on the show. So if you have a question about anything, about mindfulness, about, you know, video games is better for the veteran gamers to send that. But if it's about politics or something going on or sort of my take on things, um, just let me know, you know, I don't know what. You should do a hashtag, AskDS. Uh, for Ask the Didastic Syncast. And yeah, and I'll answer your questions. Why not? I think that would be cool to do that on this show. So anyway, uh, yeah, you can also email me, esp at fbesp.org, or you can tweet me at DukeScath. Thanks for listening, everybody. Shout-outs to the Duchess and Stu and Chinny, Antonio, Rich Webster, and uh, Filthy, and Rob, and everybody else who gets in touch about this show. Chopper Kelly has been really nice about some things. And yeah, uh, thanks. I love y'all. Peace. Now, turn on, tune in, break out. This is a game. The name of the game. Rock and roll, night and day. Didactic Syncast is a production of the floating brain of Eric S. Piotrowski, which is solely responsible for its content. This program is a joint venture of Ribonucleic Records and Garrison Multimedia. Our show is made possible by a grant from the Fargus Foundation. Some restrictions may apply. See SOAR for details. Fight the power.
So powerful. Excuse me, but you didn't actually say the thing you usually say. You usually end the show by saying, I'm going to stop talking now. And you ruin your perfect record of doing that by saying peace at the end of your show. And you need to fix it. Man, these wasabi almonds are awesome. I'm going to stop talking now.